Well, if you turn in your Bible to Romans, I want to just spend a few minutes in the Word just to give you a little bit of encouragement. Obviously, I won't preach everything I had prepared today because uh, the Lord had other plans for our service, and that's okay. You know, it's His service. Amen. It's His service. Thank you, Brother Andre. You know, I was thinking uh, about today and kind of what was on my heart. And I have a, I have a story I want to tell you. It's Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Turn there. Um, back, in, back in the day, I guess I'm old enough now to say back in the day. Back in the day, I, uh, I started real young working. My parents worked me really hard and they had, uh, uh, or taught me to work really hard is what I'm trying to say. They taught me to have a work ethic. My dad did a really good job of teaching me to have a good uh, work ethic and working hard. And so when I was like 15, I started a, a business. I started a landscaping business. Um, but I didn't want it to be like every other, you know, teenager's landscaping business where they just did, you know, a few, a few uh, yards or whatever. I really wanted to turn it into a business. And so I, I, I did. I, I, the Lord blessed me, and um, I, I, I followed these principles. Even as a young age, I started giving, and I would make money. I'd give, and God would bless us uh, and bless my business and gave me clients and all kinds of stuff. And by the time I was... Uh, well, I guess it later on, almost before I turned 15 or 16 or whatever it was, I got a, I got a truck. Once I got a truck, I got more clients and started driving and started doing things and um, got my day license and picked up more clients. By the time I was 16, I had people working for me. And by the time I was 17, we had two trucks running, meaning I had a truck that would do like landscape install stuff and a truck that would do um, uh, maintenance, like just going around cutting grass and, and weed eating and things like that. But... Uh, I started to learn how to do, like, big, big landscape jobs. And uh, it was in doing this that I learned about this thing called kudzu. You ever heard of kudzu? If you don't know, kudzu is, uh, is it actually came over to, it's from Asia, from the parts of, of, of Asia, so from overseas. But they brought it over in the late 1800s. They brought it over to Americas in the late 1800s. And they started introducing it as shade plants and as, as a shade plant. And then they started um, encouraging in the uh, early 1900s as um, uh, like soil erosion things. Like if, you're, if you had a hillside, if you had something that the, the, the soil was going to erode away, you'd put kudzu down. And, and it's like this vine. If you've never seen it or you don't know what I'm talking about, you, you actually have seen it. You just didn't know it was called kudzu. But it's a vine it's, and, and it just grows rapidly. It's really hard to kill really hard to manage, and if you don't tend to it, if you don't trim it, if you don't trim it back, if you don't keep it under control, it just grows like crazy. And I had this client one time, they were a law firm, and they hired us to clear out the back of their, uh, their, their, their property, and I lost my shirt on this job. I mean, I was a young guy, I didn't know, you know, and so I bid really low, because I wanted the job, meaning that I, I said I'll do it for, I don't know, whatever it was. Like I told him like a couple hundred bucks or something. I had no idea that kudzu was like a monster. Like literally Godzilla lived in this back of this property. I had no idea. I ended up having to rent a tractor, like rent a big backhoe, rent a dumpster that had to be filled up multiple times to go and clear out all of this kudzu. So I, I, I looked this up, you know, especially at the time because I didn't know, and I, and I refreshed my memory. By 1997, they had removed it from the suggested plants list and added it to the world's worst vines and weeds. Seriously, 
in a hundred years or whatever, they had gone from a suggested plant that, hey, this is something you should plant, this is something you should have, because people weren't tending to it. People didn't know how to manage it. People didn't know how to, how to keep it at, at bay. They didn't know how to keep it where, tend to it the way it was supposed to be tended to or the way apparently they do in Asia because they, they, did, they failed to give Americans those instructions because kudzu is everywhere. If you look and you see, what, if you ever go and you see these trees and then there's like these vines covering the trees, that's kudzu. And it'll just grow and it'll just cover and then eventually it will kill and squash out and, 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 and literally suffocate other plants. And I was thinking about what was on my heart today and what has kind of been and it littered it through a lot of my messages lately that the world we live in has an agenda. The world we live in has an agenda. They have a, 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 there's a, there's a evilness about the world. Obviously, we know that from the Bible. And there's an, there's an agenda. And, and, and I'm not talking about political. I'm just talking about the world, okay? So, so don't let your mind go to politics. I'm just talking about the world. I'm talking about how when you, when you step out of the church, right, the global church, and you step into the world, that there's a, a, an agenda that Satan has to infiltrate you, to infiltrate you, to, to, to do what he did to Eve to convince you otherwise of what you believe. His agenda is to steal the word from you. If he can steal the word from you, he steals faith, because we know faith comes how? By hearing the word. So if, I, if my faith grows, my faith in God grows when I hear the word, then when the devil comes and he steals that word, how can he do that? He can do it a number of different ways. But what I want to encourage you with this morning or tell you that your mind is a part of you. And your mind is like kudzu. And if you don't learn to, to, to trim and to tame and to keep your mind in check, your mind will run rampant in your life and will ruin and eventually squash out the other parts of you. See, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. If you've never heard me say that, I'd write that down as something you'll hear probably pretty much in every one of my sermons. But um, it, it's such a foundational truth that you have to understand. On Wednesday night, we actually looked at First Thessalonians, and, and um, he says in there, in that letter, he says, you know, that or he says, I don't know if he used the word beloved, but he said that I wish your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. You are a spirit. That's you. Point to yourself and say, I'm a spirit. That's who you are. That's you. That's the real you. You are a spirit. All right? You live in a body, your flesh. That's your, your earth suit. Okay, this is important to understand because every single day, say it with me, say every day. Every day, every day your flesh and your spirit are at enmity with each other. They're at war. One's in one corner of the ring, the other's in the other corner of the ring, and they're fighting each other. When you got saved, your flesh didn't change. And if you're not careful, you know, uh, we, we do a good job here of teaching this, but some places, you know, you get saved, and they don't teach you that, that um, you're not going to think differently today. You're going to have a, different, a difference on the inside of you, but your mind is still dirt. Meaning that God made us out of dirt. Your mind is still, I'm not calling y'all dumb. You're like, wait a second now, what is he saying? No, no, no. I'm just saying that your, your, your mind is still what it is. So what is your soul? Your soul is made up of three parts. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your emotions, how you feel about things, how you, how you uh, feel right now. When someone does something great for you, you're excited. When someone doesn't do something great, you're mad, you're upset. Right? 
your will, what you want to do, how you want to do it. You're, you have a will. God gave us free will. That's something he gave us. He gave us free will. But your mind is kind of the overarching thing in your soul. It's really what kind of sums up your soul. And your mind is so important. It kind of casts the swing vote. If, if your spirit had a vote and your flesh had a vote, your mind would be the swing vote. And that's why it's so important that your spirit man, that the real you, that your spirit man, the inside of you, is stronger than, bigger than, filled with faith, filled with God's word, because if your spirit is not, is not the one that's shouting from, let's go back to my analogy of one's on one side, one's on the other. If, you're, if your spirit man's not strong enough to, to, to take hold of or trim back the kudzu, then your mind's going to run rampant. Your mind's got to run rampant. Here's what it says in Romans 12, chapter 2. It's so, so great. Such a great verse. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I want you to say that. Say transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you want to know God's will for your life, you will only know it when you get your, your three parts of you in line. Paul said that he put his flesh under subjection. That's the word that he used, meaning that he, he would, when his flesh would want to do things, and if you read through Romans chapter 7, it's like littered with him just talking about how I want to do this, and, and, my, and, and he's talking about his spirit. I want to do this, I want to serve God, but my flesh wants to do wrong, and, and when my flesh does wrong, it's sin, it's because sin has control over me, and that's what he, he goes through this whole litany of things, it's a whole chapter. I thought about reading it, but then I thought I'm going to lose him. So y'all read it at home. Sometimes you can get up here and read a whole bunch. But Romans chapter 7, he talks about that. But check out what he says in Romans chapter 8. Because, you know, he wrote these letters all together. We broke them up in chapters. But as soon as he gets done talking about how his, his flesh and his spirit are at enmity with each other and how, how they go back and forth and he, his body wants to do wrong and, his, and sin wants to blah, 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 he comes back in verse 1 of Romans chapter 8 and says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, check this out, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So what's the difference then? Why do some Christians get it, so to speak, and others don't? You've got to renew your mind. This, this was written, Romans chapter 12 was written as a command. It was not written as like a suggestion. Like, hey, if you get time, read the Bible a little bit and work on, you know, renewing your mind. No, that's, it's a command. It says, do not be conformed. Do not conform your life. Do not conform your thinking. Do not allow the world to determine your thought processes. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's why I've, I've, I've just had that in my heart that we cannot allow the world to define the spirit of my home. I will not allow what's happening outside of my home determine the spirit within my home. I will not do it. If I've, got to, if I've got to turn off everything, throw every TV and everything out my house, throw my phone in the trash, y'all can send me mail, and hopefully the U.S. Postal Service will get it there. But if i got to do that and just praise God all day in my house, I will have a spirit of freedom in my house. And I can tell the difference. When you, get, when you, when, when you allow the spirit of God to move in your, when you're, in, your, 
in your life, you can tell the difference. Every person in here could, could, could sense the presence of God today. And so those times where you feel the exact opposite of what you did today, of, what you, of how you felt today, see, now I know why God wanted to move like he did today. So you could tell the difference. You ever heard the word juxtaposition? That means it's the exact, you know, something up next to something else. You can tell the difference. That presence of God, that spirit, that's what the Bible says, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty. You can have that. And when you read the word of God, when you spend time in his presence, when you allow the spirit of God to work on you, you can renew your mind. It's something that you have to do daily. I want you to, to, to gather this. Renewing the mind simply means exchanging your thoughts of negativity, doubt, fear, anxiety, prejudice, greed, and any other worldly perspective for the thoughts of God. I'm going to read it again because this is really good. Renewing the mind simply means exchanging your thoughts of negativity, doubt, fear, anxiety, prejudice, greed, and any other worldly perspective. Any other worldly perspective for the thoughts of of God. Here's two other translations of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Yet another translation. I like this one. You ready? Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now that'll preach right there. I should have just started with that one. Do not copy... The behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm going to probably, unless the Lord leads me otherwise and I've totally missed it, I'm going to probably continue to dive into this a little bit further because I only have so much time today. But what I want you to understand today, that you're a spirit, and that the first key to understanding the renewing of your mind is you've got to let the Spirit be the leader of your life. You've got to let the Spirit of God be the leader of your life. That's why when you, when you have a, a sense on the inside not to do something, why you need to follow it. Because those little moments are moments where, I, you know, you may not even know why God's leading you to do something or not to do something or not to watch something. I have people ask me all the time, and they'll say, well, should I do such and such? They'll ask me, and it's like stuff that, um, you know, is, is not necessarily a sin, but they're like, they're kind of asking. You know, I wish that Christians would just get this, get this, get this thought process fixed because it seems like we want to, we want to see how far can I live away from God and still be saved? I just don't understand that. You know, and I'm not saying that everybody who's asked me that question thinks that way, but, but it, it's like this, this, this mantra that, that, okay, well now, if I can get away with this, can I, can I drink a little and still be saved? Can I, well, as long as I don't get, now how much do I need to go by the state's level of being drunk? Because the Bible says not to get drunk, I get that, but I mean, this is real, this is real. Like, like if, if you've got to ask those questions, maybe you shouldn't drink. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't have alcohol. I, you know what? I'm not going to fight that battle with you. The Bible's clear. Don't be drunk. He says, do not be drunk with wine where it's in excess, but be being filled with the Spirit of God. You've got to have the Spirit of God in you. I'm not saying you're going... I'm, I'm not sending anybody to hell. I can't do that. All right? That's not my job. 
I'm not telling you you shouldn't drink or not drink. What I'm encouraging you is that that verse I just quoted says, be being filled, be constantly filled with the Spirit of God. You know, he's using wine there as an example of something that was, was a commonplace thing in the world. But I think you could substitute that for anything that takes the place of the Spirit of God. You, you, you've got only so much capacity. I've got a little extra capacity because I put some COVID weight on. Amen? That was supposed to be funny. A few of you got it. You only have so much capacity. You only have so much room. And you let things in. We let things in all the time that, that be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit of God. Be constantly filled with the Spirit of God. Romans 12.2 was written as a command. In the original Greek language, the word used transformed is metamorpho. The same word that we get metamorphosis from. And it literally means to be changed completely. See, God wants to renew your thought process to the point that you're changed completely. But you, you've got to understand that this is not like just, just um, better thinking. This is not just better thinking. Do you, do you understand? Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching a, 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 a soup, chicken soup for the soul sermon to morning, this morning. This is not like a, I'm just going to choose to think better today. No, I'm going to replace... Anything that doesn't line up with God's word with his word. I'm going to replace any, I'm going to exchange. I'm going to go through my life and I'm going to exchange the things and say, God, I don't want to think that way anymore. And you're going to take God's word and fill it up in you until you've pushed out that thing. That thought process, that, that, that negativity, that anxiety, that fear, that depression, whatever it is, because I can tell you everything that I put on that list come from the devil, came from the devil. Say amen. amen. The thief comes. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. His entire agenda is to steal from you, to, to, to take away from your life. And when he does, what is he doing? He's stealing your faith. He's stealing your ability or, or, or your, your, your desire. If he takes the word from you, what are you believing in? What are you believing in? We've got to walk in step with the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is the first step to, you know, just, just learning to listen to the guide on the inside. Learning to listen to the guide on the inside. You've got a GPS inside of you that's better than any. Google Maps got nothing on the Holy Spirit. Who's a Google Maps person? Google Maps. What else do y'all use? There's only like three people that use. What do y'all use? No, I'm serious. Like, what do y'all use? Okay. Okay, yeah. The guide on the inside. It's better than any... You know, walking in step with the Spirit is, is something you have to practice, which is, I guess, really what I want to say today, that your practice of, all right, we're going into the new year, we're, we're turning over a new level. I'll tell you what, we had a great week this week. I don't know if it was, uh, um, I, well, I know what it was. It's because we had a good Sunday. We had a good, man, Agreement Sunday was amazing last Sunday. It was fantastic. And we've got a new perspective, and a, uh, um, the, the, I just really feel like, you know, the, the, the projection or the trajectory of this year is correct. You know what I mean? 
My focus is not on, on just doing things for things sake, but on seeing God's kingdom come. And so this trajectory we've set for our family and our household is just moving things back in line. It's practicing. You know, you know uh, doctors, they, they practice medicine. They're working on it. They, they don't actually know. That's why they always say, you know, some things are, oh, they're 99%, but they don't actually know because God's the ultimate healer. And so he's, th- these doctors are practicing medicine. What does that mean? They're working on it daily. They're reading new stuff. They're in, in, improving things. You know, I, I remember growing up, you put babies on their, on their, what was it, on their front? You lay them down on the front. And then when I was older, they put them on their backs. And now I don't even know what. We just put our kids to sleep. They put them on their side, put them upside down, hang them by their feet. I don't know. They change it all the time. But see, it's because they don't actually have a truth to go by. If you put into practice God's word in your life, just hear me this morning. If you put into practice God's word in your life, you'll see the truths that are in his word come into your life. You've got to do it by faith. You're led by the Spirit by faith. You're walking in this walk by faith. It's that, it's that I'm going to put God's word first in my life, and then I know by faith I'll see the things come to pass. Whatever it is. Whatever his promises. You know, his promises says, just, just to name a few, that he's for you and not against you. See, what happens is, is we, we, we're told lies by the devil, by the world, world that, okay, well, God must be upset with you and that's why right so something happens and that's what you get told that's where your mind goes that's why I'm telling you to be in God's word and be in step with the spirit because if you are then you'll know where the bad thing came from it came from the devil and then your prayer is simple okay I'm frustrated I'm mad at the thing but I'm not mad at God and so I can ask him God how do I get out of this how do I get past this how do I move how do I move from from this point where I'm at into where you want me to be. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter the mistake you make. The, mis- the, the, mis- the biggest mistake you can make is not turning back to God. Not turning back to God. All right, so you control you. You, point to yourself. Point to yourself. Say, I control me. You control you. Just remember that. You control you. You cannot control every circumstance. You cannot control what happens tomorrow. You cannot control your boss. You cannot control your mama, daddy. You cannot control your spouse. Okay, Miss Miss Connie can, but everybody else. You can't, but what can you control? You can control how you respond. You can control how you deal with it. You can control Take, take your thoughts. Uh, Paul said to take your thoughts captive. You can do that. How do you do it? You start with the word. I encourage you. I, I really feel led to, 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 to say this this morning, that we need to increase as a church, as, as, a, as a global church, but I can't speak to the global church today, I'm speaking to you. So as a church, we need to increase our word. We need to increase our word input. I need to increase my, we all need, we need to increase our word input. If we do, I, I meant what I said last week. It is time for the church to stand up. It, it is time for the church to do that. It is time for the church. If all of us, you know, whatever size of influence we have, whatever size of, of, if we just all as a church 
influenced at our jobs, influenced in our families, influenced in our, if we all just stepped up and, and continued to make a difference, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, ask God, to, have you asked? Have you asked God to help you? I've got, I don't have a personality like some of those other people. Well, well what kind of personality do you, do you have? Do you have something that you can give to contribute to God's kingdom? You know, I love it. <clears throat> we have uh, so many areas, just to talk about involvement at the church, so many areas where people can get involved. Everybody's got different gifts and talents and things. You know, there's so many areas. You're, not everybody wants to stand at the door and smile and greet everybody. But you know, that really matters. Did you know that in the first eight minutes of coming to a church, you've determined whether you like it or not? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I believe in the word we preach here. I believe in the message. I believe in that children's ministry. And the, I watch children come in and get touched and leave different than the way. I watch them. I mean, it, their, their household and their family situation could be a mess, but they come here and they've got a safe place to come and worship God and learn about Jesus. I believe in what we're doing. I believe in the, the correct faith doctrine that we teach here. I believe in it. But we've got to do things and have, 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 have a, an atmosphere where people can come in and, and be taught these things. What am, what am I saying? That all of us have a part to play. All of us have a piece to play. All of us have a, 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 a part of the puzzle. Pastor Steve has such a phenomenal example, and I'm going to kind of wrap up with this. He says that, you know, the Bible says you're fitly joined together. If you don't know that scripture, um, he says that the, uh, he's talking about how Jesus is the head of the church and we're the body and that he fitly joins us together. You know, you can take a puzzle, say it's a thousand piece puzzle, and you can dump it on the floor. Is it still a puzzle? But when you fitly join all those pieces together, it's a beautiful picture. But you've got to fitly join them together. You know, I believe that God has fitly joined us together. That he does that, he orchestrates things, and he does that by the Spirit. You know, we're not led by when the wind blows a certain way and when the, you know, when my right contact gets a little sticky and I can't see my right eye and I squint with my left eye and then I can see and that's where God's leading me. No, that means you need to use some contact solution. I'm saying that because that's why I'm wearing glasses right now. Because <laughs> my contacts were, <laughs> were bothering me yesterday and I was like, well, I don't want to put them in and possibly they bother me while I'm preaching. We don't, we're not led by stuff like that. We're led by the Spirit. God leads us and directs us and guides us. Amen. Follow the GPS on the inside. You know, this is great. This is why I love being a spirit-led church because I, I, I had a, a, a notes on renewing the mind, but obviously it's important that we're led by the spirit. And I really feel like that's what God was, was, was wanting to say today, that as you're pursuing these things and as you're, you're working on everything in your life, the way to get there is by the spirit. And when you take things and, and block out uh, uh, the word of God or block out whatever or, 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 or do things that inhibit God speaking in your life. That's what I'm trying to say. That when you do that, you're inhibiting the next step in your life. You're inhibiting God. You know, God doesn't stop leading you. He doesn't stop leading you. He doesn't, you know, he, he never leaves you, the Bible says. He's with you. You've got to figure out, you know, I always, that's why I always, I'm not afraid to point the finger back at myself and say, okay, God, where did I miss it? Where did I miss it? What, what can I go back to? What can I turn to? And, 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 and Lord, let me, let me just be the first to say, I'm sorry. If I blew it, if I missed it, I'm sorry. God, I want to walk back in step with you. 
I don't want to be ahead of you. I don't want to be behind you. I don't want to be off path. I want to walk with you. You just stand up on your feet. God, we just thank you so much for today. God, the word, the presence of your Holy Spirit, what a wonderful day that we had with you. God, I thank you for everything you're doing in our church. And God, I want to continue to make sure that we tell you and tell our church every day that you're welcome in this place, that your presence is welcome here. God, I thank you for moving. I'll tell you what I want to do. Just there's, there's always multiple types of people that come to a service like this, and especially those that may be watching online. So I just want to give an opportunity that if you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you'd like to rededicate your life, I want to just give an opportunity for you to do that real quick, especially maybe if you're watching online. And so what I want to do, uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to do this a little quick today, but I'll be down front afterwards. I'll make sure I've got my mask. I've got my mask. I can throw it, throw it on and pray with any of you that need prayer. So if you, if you would like to say the prayer of salvation, I'm going to say it. We're going to all say it together. But if you need further prayer or have questions, I'll be down front afterwards. Let's say this together. If you'll say it after me, say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I make Jesus Lord of my life. I declare and I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus came to this earth as a baby lived as a man, died on a cross, and rose on the third day. I believe that he's alive today, seated in heaven with you. I make him, number one, the Lord of my life. I serve him from this day forward. I thank you for cleansing me of all my sins, for forgiving me of all my unrighteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.